say just a toy story or a four in a box. These are the stories of action, toy glory, and work clocking. SH figure arts, black series are hot toys. And figures with transformation sequences that make noise. Check out the joints and the many points of articulation. We're celebrating the global collector nation. Sit back, relax, and get ready to rock this. Here's the real chow. Welcome, Welcome to a new episode of Shelf Conscious. I am Keith Chow. Joining me this time is an old buddy. We've been friends for a few years now. He's been a contributor to some of my projects, including Secret Identities. And he's a dope artist based out in the Pacific Northwest and a fellow toy collector. Please welcome the Shelf Conscious, ECE. Hey, Keith. What's going on, man? Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. I, I can tell you're a fan of the show because you're like, let me set my camera up right in front of my uh, perfectly displayed shelves. Oh, yeah, man. I uh, big fan of the show. It's been, it's been actually a lot of fun listening to all the episodes. And, and honestly, like... It, uh, it's a hard act to follow the guests that you've had on man i mean like larry alone is, is so huge you know what I mean? so yeah I'm, I'm really honored and thankful that uh that you would think to, to have me on man of course no i mean i i love chatting up with my fellow toy collectors and you know you specifically i wanted to talk to because i know you have a very eclectic collection but but specifically you kind of dive into the the six scale stuff because i know like when i first showed some of my hot toys you were like oh yeah welcome to- <laughs> welcome to the club bro but like you know it's something i've resisted for a long time honestly because i just i've always wondered like folks who like primarily based their collection in like the six scale figures i always just wonder like first of all how the fuck and second of all like <laughs> you know it's just it's it's a it's like toy collecting already is not a cheap hobby how do you maintain collecting like hot toys and sideshow and 3a like all the like those upscale figures without delving into like your financial situation <laughs> you know honestly uh, uh how much money do you make is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no comment but uh <laughs> you know sideshow actually has a payment plan thing which i only recently found out about and has been very dangerous but also great <laughs> because i've been able to secure stuff that Normally, I mean, BBTS, uh, Big Bad Toy Store, for the longest time was my go-to. I, I've been uh, a big fan and customer of theirs since like, I think like 08, something like that is about when I started buying through them. And they were really cool because you could pre-order stuff without putting anything down. And, you know, but then the, the flip side is that is that when it comes, like, you got to have that money ready. You know what I mean? So sometimes <laughs> it can be a surprise. So the sideshow thing is really nice because you put in your deposit and then you can just pay it incrementally. And then when it's ready to go, it goes. And also lately, as the six scale hobby, it's, it's so weird to me when people call it a hobby, but it's just, we're just <laughs> buying stuff. It's not really a hobby, but <laughs> as it's become more popular collectors, like I think BBTS has kind of realized like, hey, we can't just keep letting people pre-order these things for free. So you have to, a lot of them, you'll have to put down a pre-order, uh, like a deposit anyway. So at that point, it's like, well, I might as well just go to Sideshow then because I recently found out that Sideshow is actually the only licensed distributor for Hot Toys in America. So everybody that sells Hot Toys is getting their stuff through Sideshow at the end. So that's a huge thing. I noticed on their website, they're offering a firm now, which could be really great for a lot of people, I'm sure. But yeah, man, it's, you know, a big thing that uh, for me personally, as far as like collecting was, you know, back in the day, I used to just buy everything, you know what I mean? Like if, if you see a cool little figure, $5, $20, whatever, just drop that. And I was, I was spending and wasting so much money this way. And <laughs> uh, I don't regret it, but at the same time, at a certain point, when I started getting into one six, it was like, well, I could just, instead of doing that, I can just save my money and, you know, then just get like this one 
you know, really dope figure with like all these cool accessories and, and costuming and stuff. And that's kind of been the MO for, for the past decade plus. I think the first one I got was the sideshow Snake Eyes. Because, you know, you just have all these like guns and grenades and stuff and it looks so cool. And I've actually seen in the background of some, some of Larry's photos, like he has that same figure, which was like extremely validating for me. I was like, it's good enough for Larry, it's good enough for me, you know what I mean? That thing came out like, what, 2008, 2009? That thing's been out for... Yeah, yeah. Like, that came out a long time ago. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty old. They had this whole line of G.I. Joe stuff, but I, and I kind of wanted to get into those, but the Snake Eyes one was the only one I ever pulled the trigger on. The first Hot Toys that I got, though, was shortly after that. It was the, the Heath Ledger Joker. And a big impetus in that was actually because the regular, like, I don't remember how big it was, maybe between four and six inches tall. Like, the regular toy was just sold out everywhere because all these scalpers mm-hmm. were just buying it up. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, it was such an incredible... That was the Movie Master, right? The Mattel Movie Master figure you're talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, with the, with the blue card back. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. People were just buying those things up. It's not even that great of figure. It's like, not. <laughs> it's really like, not. Like, looking back. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember, like, I was so into the Movie Masters back in 2008, man. Like, that was what really got me just gung-ho into, like, six-inch. Because I think before that, like, I, I did, you know, I've always loved toys. You know, I, I wouldn't do a fucking toy podcast if I didn't. <laughs> but I never was, like, six inches my scale. Right. Until Movie Masters came out. And, like, the, the DC Universe classic stuff, like, all that stuff is what really was, like, okay, all my collection now is going to be six-inch. I got rid of a bunch of three-and-three-quarter stuff I used to, used to have. Mm-hmm. And I never got into six-scale. Like, I had this Keaton Batman behind me right. for, for a while which I know is actually a really rare figure now, yeah. but I've had it for a while because my uncle just gave it to me when I went to Hong Kong like 10 years ago at this point, maybe. And he's just like, I have this. Do you want it? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I never took it out of the box. Like it's always been sitting in its like, like shipper box right, right. for like five or six years. And in fact, when I first opened it, I was worried like, did the rubber deteriorate? <laughs> Cause it's just been sitting in this box for the years. Luckily, not really. I mean, maybe a little bit, but. Once I opened it, I was like, holy shit, I get it now. I know why people drop like three or four bones on this shit. <laughs> and I finally, you know, took the dive on the Deluxe Mando, mm-hmm. which I've shown a few times now on on the podcast. And then and then I got the Birds of Prey Harley Quinn with the caution tape and the egg sandwich. That, that I, how, do you, how can you not buy a six scale egg sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> So, so like, I'm now fully committed. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to get other six scale stuff, but like opening Batman, opening Mando, I'm like, I get it now. I know why people go into Hot Toys and, and not just Hot Toys specifically, but like that six scale line. But like, how many figures do you have? Oh. In your, have you like ever done a count? God, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's definitely double digits, but I... I haven't counted. I think it's like somewhere between <laughs> 20 and 30, which isn't like super crazy. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, a lot of cats have just like ridiculous collections. And it's, it's really interesting to me, the, just kind of the range of interest that people have and how they go about their collecting. Like there's a contingent of folks that put a lot of value in that brown shipper box. You know what I mean? I don't have space for that shit. I just fucking break the motherfuckers <laughs> down and toss them in the recycling. You know what I mean? Like... I use tackle boxes to keep all the accessories, which is like mm. a huge space saver, you know, but there are people who will 
fully rent out like storage units just to store their boxes. And I'm just like, dude, I, I can't do that. What, empty boxes? Yeah, just to store their <laughs> empty boxes. And I'm like, that's crazy. No, man, that's, that's. I mean, they're nice boxes, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, yeah. It's a box. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I only have two Hot Toys right now, right. but like, I still have the boxes, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm definitely an open package guy, although, like, most of my collection, because, you know, they're the six-scale stuff, I, I do have, like, just a pile of boxes unopened. Not because I'm trying to keep them, like, on card or in boxes, just, like, they were impulse buys that I was at Target, I just grabbed it. I have, like, limited space, you right, know what I'm right. saying? So it's like, I have to, like, make a decision about what goes up on the shelf and what, like, goes in the bin. Right. Like, do you have everything displayed or do you have to, like, cycle oh, God, in no. and out? Yeah, no, I definitely have to kind of cycle a little bit. And to be honest, like, a lot of my collection is back home on the East Coast at my mom's house. And, you know, I can't front, man. I have a couple boxes that are, like, really nice from, like, but I mean, like, you know, what I'm saying with, like, kind of how hot toys got big and got more expensive but then started cutting the corners in other areas like if you look at the the packaging on your batman returns figure and your mando you know what i mean like it's a world of difference from that like custom yeah. cut foam to like you know right. just the plastic <laughs> like the clear plastic clamshell you know what i mean so like it's kind of like around there like when they made that shift i'm like okay these boxes aren't necessarily worth me hanging on to and stuff <laughs> but like you know some of the older ones I'm like man, this is just it's too nice and if not like it's an investment, you know what I mean? But should I ever need to to sell one of the rare like old figures and like that's that's there too, you know what I mean? But I so you you've you've held on to all of them though, right? Like there aren't any that you like had to get rid of. You 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 still have like that Snake Eyes and oh yeah, everything man. else from the yeah that Snake Eyes is uh he's in storage in my mom's house, but still in the original packaging and all that. And like you know, I've I've actually oh, this is that uh nice that Ledger Joker yeah, man. Heath. This, yeah. this was this was the, the the big fall down the slippery slope, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All you needed was a little push, like he says in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I just you know, I just wanted to honor his performance, you know what I'm saying? And and those... Yeah. Well I see you have several Dark Knight. I mean, you got is that is that a Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne? Oh no, no, right I don't shoulder? that's uh that's a Alfred and Bruce Wayne with the uh Oh Alfred and Bruce Wayne, yeah, 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 yeah. The... with the with the suit in the chamber yeah whatever. the little armory thing yeah 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 man like the the dark knight was was such a great source of figures for hot toys man i've got i've got i've got like a whole row of batman i've only got one bale batman but then i've got like three three batflex which is kind of weird because i remember when uh the bbs one first came out and you you sent me you're like yo they're doing bbs and i was like come on man i don't like that suit but like that figure is like really hard to find now. That's that's a chase figure, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's funny though, right? Because like I remember when BVS came out, like before it came out, like the first time they showed Affleck in the suit, because I was not sold on the idea of like introducing a new Batman mm. after, especially so close to like the Dark Knight, right? Like, right. I've I've gone on record that like if they really wanted to build a DC universe that would rival Marvel's, you just bring Bale back, especially if like Affleck's an older Batman. You know, like you already had a Batman for the last ten years. Why don't you just bring him back? But anyway, I mean, that's that's uh, you know fodder for another podcast. But when they when they revealed the Affleck in the suit, I think like he's looking down and he's standing next to the Batmobile. Right, right. I was like, shit, <laughs> like that's the suit I've always wanted in a Batman movie. You know what I mean? And then again, I have my reservations about the Snyderverse, but I love like the look of Affleck as Batman. And so I went, I, you know, I didn't go as far as like hot toys, but I, I talked about this on the last podcast. I got the uh, Mezco 
mm. Batman and Superman. Never took them out of package, mostly because once I opened them, I, I don't know, just something about maybe the scale and the fabric they used. I wasn't feeling it. Like, especially Cavill. Like, he looks like he's wearing pajamas in the <laughs> 112 yeah. scale. Like, the six scale Cavill looks dope. Like, I think because they're using like a more of like a lycra right. material they or got something. All the texturing and stuff. Yeah, but on, on like on, on a six inch figure, when you're using cloth, it just looks like he's fucking wearing pajamas. And I'm like, <laughs> this is dumb. Why, why do I have this? But I don't know. Yeah, man. You know, it, it's it's funny because I was like, so, I mean, like, I was okay with the suit. I was like, I see they're doing like the Frank Miller thing. They got the Frank Miller bats, you know, or sign and, you know, the, the short ears and stuff. Right. But the the actual like promo photos of the figure, I was just like not super sold on. But then I ended up getting like the the Justice League one. I was like, damn, this is actually really great. Like super beefy, you know what I mean? Like, it's like just fucking powerful you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and like that i mean this is this is like you know kind of diversion from toys and stuff but like even even like batflick once i saw the movie like my first reaction the first time i saw the film i was just like dude he's murdering people he's murdering everybody with guns you know what i mean like <laughs> what the hell's going on but honestly man like i i love ben affleck's portrayal of batman i've, I've come to, to love it and I mean, like being from Boston, yeah. I mean, like I, I was going to say, that's just the Boston in you, man. I wonder how much that has to do. <laughs> that's definitely like a factor. Batman's from Boston now. That's one hundred percent a factor. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I go back and forth. I think he gives a great performance, and I know we're, we are veering off the, the toys, but let, we we can circle back because going, you know, we were talking about Mattel a little bit, and I just remember, you know, I know that you your six inch collection is not as varied as your twelve inch ones, but like. Mattel put some dog shit out when BBS came out. I don't know if you remember, but like, you know, I mean, their 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 movie masters for Dark Knight weren't great, but like, Jesus Christ, you remember like how shitty yeah. the BBS figures were? Those those head sculpts were not were not good. <laughs> Which and, and that's a huge part of of why I love six scale so much. You know what I mean? Is just because it, it gives them more room to to work. It's the frustrating thing that you see in the community too, because every time Hot Toys posts a promo photo, like there'll just be this whole peanut gallery of people being like, "Oh, it doesn't look like a middle." Yeah, you know I mean, it's like <laughs> this is incredibly hard to do, man, and you know, it looks pretty right, good. Right, the artistry of it, I think, does get lost in a lot of like, you know, I mean, the toy community can be a bunch of dickheads, you know, just like any fan <laughs> community. On it, like, I don't want to just put it on toy collectors because right. I think. At the same time, toy collectors are a beautiful community. Like, folks help each other out and look out for each other in different parts of the country to, like, you know, find shit that doesn't get distributed where you are. And I find it and I can send it to you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, right. that's cool, too. But just like any fandom, there's always the loud and the stupid that when, you know, G.I. Joe Classified has been so hard oh. to find. Anytime Hasbro says anything online, it's like, you know, a thousand replies of, like, fuck you, Hasbro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, I get it. Like, they're not... Not everyone is civilized, but yeah, it's it's it is it's incredibly hard. Like sculpting paint apps on a mass scale, especially like you right. think about like retail, the advancements a lot of these companies have made since even BVS came out is like wild. Like yeah, if you man. look at like the digital face printing technology, like Hasbro uses on their you know MCU and their Black Series figures. Oh, dude, I, I had to get that Paul Rudd just because of that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Like to your point, like how do you get that level of detail on a six-inch figure? You know, much less a twelve-inch figure. It's like it's it's remarkable. I mean, yeah. I'm jealous of all the people who are collecting for the first time and not even realizing how how shitty some of the sculpts oh and paints were back in the day. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, 
like a lot of people that that you've had i, I started with like you know 3.75 gi joes like back in the 80s and stuff and in, in the 90s the, that power of the force line was huge for me i had so many of those <laughs> but looking back at those figures like it's not even just the face sculpts like i mean like like dagobah luke is like jacked you know what i mean like he's huge <laughs> <laughs> like, so they're, they're it's like a of, he-man figure yeah right <laughs> they're kind of just doing whatever they wanted to do you know something else i i i actually really enjoy is uh there's a ton of japanese companies that do really really great work and like they'll they'll almost always be extremely stylized in terms of like the face sculpt and stuff but like just as far as like the quality of the the figure build and like the articulation and stuff like for the smaller scale stuff i absolutely love that stuff still yeah i i definitely you know i think the decision i made was rather than go down the six scale rabbit hole like for a time i was just like i was definitely in japanese imports yeah so i got a bunch of like figure arts and a bunch of like mafex figures yeah and i think like part of the you know the build quality is definitely better the engineering is better i think the qa on some of them especially in the early days. Like I think now figure arts and Mafex are a lot more, you know, sturdier than they were. But going back to like BVS, I remember I had the Batfleck from, from Mafex and that shit fell apart. Like oh, <laughs> I Jesus. looked at it too hard one time and it just <laughs> fell apart. Cause it was like, and you know, part of it too, is it like when it's, I talked about how much you spend on six scale, but like when you're spending a hundred bucks on like a six inch figure, <laughs> like proportionally, it's probably like, you could just spend another $100 and get the same thing in a much bigger scale. But you would think if you're going to drop that much money on a figure, that shit better, like, stay together. Right, <laughs> you know right. Like- <laughs> and, you know, that's actually, that's a that's a common complaint I see with a lot of hot toys collectors, particularly those that live in, like, Southeast Asia where it's humid. And mm. they'll suffer a lot of degradation on stuff like rubber and leather in particular, like, starts flaking like I crazy. Mean, that's what I was worried with Keaton bats, right? Because his yeah. whole suit is rubber, you know, and... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think that's the case with, like, a lot of toys, though, right? Like, back in the day, like, they would make, use rubber pieces on figures and without even worrying, without even touching them, like, they start falling. Like, I had a clay face Mm. from, like, the animated series collection and his arms were rubber. And, like, I sold it before it completely fell apart on me because you could just start seeing, like, you know, just the pieces just chipping away. Yeah. And I have, like, I have a lot of old toys from, like, the 80s where like the the Batman has been inside the Batmobile for 30 years and then when you take him out he's all warped and like the plastic gets sticky have oh, you, I don't know if you have any toys old enough that like apparently if they don't get enough oxygen like the plastic or whatever starts you know I, I don't know it's just sticking I don't know it's weird <laughs> the last time the last time I was at my mom's house actually and I was digging through all my stuff one of one of my homies gave me this like Dragon Quest controller that's shaped like one of their blue slimes you know it was kind of like this sort of like soft like rubbery plastic type coating on it and i dug it out and it's gross man <laughs> it's like it's, it's <laughs> whatever that chemical reaction is the, the stickiness that happens to that controller i was just like oh god like i don't <laughs> want to touch it you know what I mean? so you said you were always into toys ever since you could remember yeah man yeah definitely shout out to my parents <laughs> <laughs> good parents like they you know they're the ones who it's always their fault right because it's not like we had the disposable income to start buying gi joes yeah right <laughs> <laughs> like had they not had they not bought it for us maybe we would be uh more financially secure in our age. <laughs> but <laughs> and, you know i've asked everyone this like was there a period where you kind of fell out of the hobby and then came back later or where you were like you were consistent like i don't give a shit what people say 
I'm 20 years old buying toys. I don't give a fuck. Like, or was it, or was there like a period in high school where you're like, I don't, I don't fuck with toys anymore. Nah, man. I mean, I've always, I've always been kind of true to myself in that sense. You know what I'm saying? And it's never really been, been a hindrance to me like socially or anything like that. Like, this is just a thing I'm into, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, in high school, like I was really like finding my identity as an Asian American in America, you know what I'm saying? So I had like fucking K-pop posters and shit on my wall. Like that's just not fucking like, <laughs> cool <laughs> I mean, well it is now back then at least now right right now, <laughs> again people take for granted <laughs> like you couldn't just be into that stuff back in the back in the 90s or whatever yeah man i remember i you know i i had this like import magazine and, and one of my boys was like dude that was the most like pastel looking bullshit i've ever seen <laughs> it was just like whatever dude this is my culture this is my people <laughs> and so that translated into like your toy collecting like you you already were like i know who i am i don't have to like pretend i'm not into action figures yeah man i mean it was it was just such a big part of my childhood particularly that that gi joe line was was so iconic for me and so like foundational in in everything that i've become as an adult and uh you know talking about even deterioration man those o-ranks back in the day motherfuckers would snap all the time dude like you'd be doing like surgery and like building like hybrids like frankenstein gi joes you know? using like actual rubber bands i remember doing that when i was a kid like i had like some random as like blue rubber band i would find and have to like engineer you know sci-fi's legs together or something right dude i remember i had uh i was playing in the basement once and like a vehicle went off the table and like landed on the concrete and like the snake eyes with the butterfly knives on the chest like was in a turret and like it like shattered on the concrete from the impact <laughs> and i was just fucking heartbroken for ages <laughs> but so i want to talk about gi joe actually since you know that seems to be the constant on this show so far is that was the starter kit for most of the folks I've talked to. I mean, and I also had Larry Hama on too. So like, right, right. You know, humble brag. <laughs> Pick that name I just dropped. Would you please, Earl? For me too, it was it was a foundational line, and not just the line, but the comics. Like, right. You know, I've, I've talked about how much Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow's relationship kind of informed how I viewed the world in a lot of ways. Like, and and to see like that line kind of coming back you know we talked about classified we have a movie coming out it's not the like cultural zeitgeisty thing that it was i think in the 80s which i think is actually kind of cool because now it doesn't have to be everything to everybody and you know henry golding is snake eyes is the shit that like i think i'm happier for that than like anything else i've ever had in my life because like <laughs> i've talked about this a lot too not only on this podcast but in just in in life that the idea of Snake Eyes not being Asian American is what really informed, like, how I viewed representation mm. in media, right? right? Because, like, a character that could be anything to anybody had to be defined by whiteness meant to me that, like, what does that mean for people who look like me? And that's really what informed, like, the whole Iron Fist thing that we did at the Nerds of Color. Right. Like, it really wasn't about Iron Fist. I even told Larry this. It was because, like, Snake... The, the issue where you see Snake Eyes as a white dude broke me when I was like, I don't know, eight years old or whatever, and kind of set me down this path ultimately. I didn't know it at the time, but like to like doing secret identities and the nerds of color and all this stuff. So like to come full circle in my 40s now and have Henry Golding right. as Snake Eyes, like it, I don't know. It's like it's one of those things. It's like you didn't think it would ever happen in your lifetime. And now that it has, I don't know, like, I don't know what to do after July 23rd. Like, <laughs> the movie is out. There's an Asian Snake Eyes. 
Like, my life is literally complete at that point. <laughs> like, that's been my life quest since I was five years old. And now we're here. I had nothing to do with it, of course. Right. But I will bask in the glory. Um, like, just talk about your journey with G.I. Joe from, like, childhood to now. And how, how has that kind of, like, informed who you are as, a, as an artist, as a person, as a collector? Man, you know, I, I just loved it so much. Like, but the, the cartoon and the toys, the, the file cards... And like, just, just all the stuff Larry was writing about, like, you know, they use like 5.56 NATO and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just lent this sense of like authenticity and weight to, to everything, you know what I mean? And like, I would have these like massive ongoing elaborate stories, like, you know what I mean? When I go play and stuff, you know what I mean? Like pick it up the next day and like carry on this thing, you know what I mean? And I think that that was kind of instrumental in eventually, you know, wanting to to get into sequential art and, and storytelling in that sense, you know what I mean? It's kind of like the, the building blocks of that. So G.I. Joe, man, it's, you know, kind of kind of what you were saying with that, that whole representation, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Storm Shadow was my favorite character because he was a badass dude and he was Asian, you know what I'm saying? And, like, people don't really realize these days everybody kind of, you know what I mean, like, with the whole representation matters stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, kind of like what you're saying, like, people take for granted the, the struggle that we had, you know what I'm saying, 20, 30 years ago. 30 years, geez, 40. <laughs> 40. Yeah, 40 years. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, but the story, like Storms of Shadow is an excellent example. And, and Larry talked about this when he was on that, like, when he was given the characters and he was like, oh, the, the only Asian character is a bad guy. Well, let me slowly turn him into a good guy. And right? like the camo Storm Shadow was like, talk about favorite. It was the camo Storm Shadow. Yes. That was my, when he was a good guy, when he was finally fully joined G.I. Joe yep. and like had that like urban camo suit. Dude. That was my favorite. Dude, 100%. That's that's my <laughs> absolutely if I had to pick one from like the old old school set, that's it, man, with like the Wolverine claw and like <laughs> the backpack, like yo, that was my shit 100%, dude. Cuz I was like, you know, now now I'm not rooting for a villain, you know what I mean? Like the character that I love is like a good guy. Now I can like justifiably like be a fan of this dude and like root for him, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz it's like otherwise what well, we have like fucking quick kick you know what I mean? Like, yeah, with no shoes. Yeah, no shoes <laughs> like, and like doing like Humphrey Bogart imitations and shit. Like, like yeah. What? Well, no I mean, that's the other thing about Storm Shadow that I think got lost in translation. Literally, is that for folks like us who read the comics, knew that not only was Storm Shadow, you know, more than just like the bad guy ninja, he was Asian American. Right. Like he was from California. He fought in Vietnam alongside Stalker and Snake right, Eyes. Right. Right. And like for folks who only saw the cartoon or only know the movies. Or just, like, have a superficial kind of... And this is not about fans versus real fans or whatever. It's just about, like, if your exposure to G.I. Joe was only the cartoons or just even the movies, your perception of Storm Shadow is that, yeah, he's a foreign guy with an accent. Yeah. Like, you know, not that there's anything wrong with accents, but, like, there's definitely a difference between what does it mean to be an Asian American versus, like, an Asian Asian character. Right. And, like, if you read the comics... His name was Tommy. He grew up in Fresno. He fought in the war. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was just something you did not see. And it's not something I necessarily consciously thought about as a kid. Right. But, like, in retrospect, that that just the idea that, like, oh, wow, there's a character in my favorite comic book who's just like me. That's not weird. And that's what, like, Tommy Arashikage represented to me unknowingly as a child, but definitely in retrospect as an adult. Yeah, you know, and it's it's kind of wild to think about that you know like whatever casting or vocal direction decisions were made that you know there was that firm decision of we're going to give him an accent and i think it's like uh francois chow actually did his voice back in the day right and i think so 
you know, didn't actually have to deliver that performance, but that's what, you know, he was, he was <laughs> asked to do. And, you know, so he's in there with this very fobby accent that just sort of serves to kind of other him from, you know, the other characters or the, the real American heroes, you know what I mean? Right. Right. It's, it's a really interesting thing, man. Like when, you know, when you had Larry on earlier and he was talking about, you know, in my mind, Storm Shadow has a Texan accent. <laughs> I, mean, I was just like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, I, I want to see that. You know what I mean? Like 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I will say like the one the one thing that I am a little, I, don't, I mean, disappointed is not the right word, but like I do wish that Andrew Koji in the new Snake Eyes movie played Storm as an American. Right. Like, I don't, and I don't think it's his job. It's like, the writer and the director like they're, they're definitely going for more of a global international flair with like you know snake and storm being in japan and everything and not having the like i mean it wouldn't make sense for them to have fought in the vietnam war together they'd be like in their 80s right now <laughs> but but you know at least i kind of wish that they they you know andrew koji plays american on warrior like yeah. it's not like he can't do an american accent i, I mean they're both <laughs> they're both doing like weird british accents that's that's the other thing that's like throwing me off in the trailer is like can Henry Golding speak in an American accent? I don't know about that. But other than that, like, you know, that's, you know, eventually he's not going to talk anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, and, you know, Andrew's Andrew's not playing Storm as, as an American, and, and the character's not necessarily an American, but at least what I'm appreciating is that they're leaning into, like, the relationship between right. Storm and Snake. And that's yes. the other thing that I think a lot of, like, the interpretations thus far have missed even the cartoon. I know that there were some instances in the cartoon where I think they team up, but it was never that like tortured story of like the brothers who fell out of favor, who come back together. That's like, right. that was the ultimate thing about their relationship. They, they kind of alluded to it here and there in, in uh, the, the recent films like Rise of Cobra and Retaliation, but it wasn't, it wasn't really, I, I didn't, I don't think it was really well executed and it definitely wasn't true to, to the source material where they had them meeting like as young children and stuff. And actually, you know what? Those retaliation figures are the first hot toys that I got after the Joker, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. As much as it was like canonically and racially inaccurate, I was so stoked to have a Korean Storm Shadow. You know what I mean? Just being like <laughs> Korean American, you know what I mean? To see Young Han playing him, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, and then even you know when they had the, the younger actor playing him, like that kid speaking Korean too. <laughs> it's just like, whatever, man, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like, this, this, is, this is for me, I guess. But yeah, I, yeah. I am super happy to see Andrew Koji taking on the role and actually having a Japanese actor or somebody with Japanese, Japanese British, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking on the character, man. It's, you know, it's right. You know what I mean? And it's cool that, that they're doing that. And, you know, just hand in hand with, with Henry Golding's casting. Just fantastic. Yeah. The notion that you can have an Asian character playing these, like, complex roles is... I mean, that's the mission statement of, of our website, you know, since Jump. So, yeah. yeah. I Like I said, I don't know. Once that movie comes out, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Uh, you, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire Nerds of Color after that. You still got Shang-Chi to look forward to. So so don't sleep. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's it for the movie talk of, uh, of Shelf Conscious. Let's get back to the actual... The actual thing we care about, which is toys. Let me ask you this. So it's if you've been like, you know, collecting nonstop, that's first of all, congratulations. Cause I wish I had that confidence. Cause I would have a whole bunch more shit in my storage. <laughs> it would all be in storage, but I would at least I'd have it. Like, you know, I've already told the Masters of the Universe story. Same thing with all my G.I. Joes. I got rid of them all. I know I held on to like one or two things that I knew were sentimental, like my superpowers. Batmobile, I still have my Keaton '89 Batmobile from uh, Kenner. I still have. That's what's up. So since you, you know, didn't ever really fall out of favor with collecting, I'm sure that you didn't necessarily hold on to everything. 
since you were a child. But what is the one thing that you've kept from like childhood that you still have? Not necessarily in this collection, but maybe at your mom's house that you still value as like, this was my jam back in the 80s and it still is today. Man, therein lies the rub. So while, <laughs> while I've, you know, never, never shied away from collecting, <laughs> you know, when I was like, maybe I want to say like 92, 93, we moved from Jersey to, to Massachusetts. And shortly after that move, my mom just gave away all my toys to some random kid I never even met from church without even asking me. She's just like, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I did that. <laughs> and, and that was so heartbreaking to me, especially because one of the things I had was uh, one of the times when my aunt visited from Korea, she bought me the general. And that was like, you know, it was such a huge set piece and it was so awesome. And like, I used to take the mortar cannon out and just shoot it like it was like an M60 grenade launcher, like Terminator, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And, you know, like so many things. So all that stuff is just gone. And I think that in like a weird way, it may have led to like some like arrested development in some sense where I've just kind of been chasing that ever since. You know what I mean? So as far as like anything that that I had, like there, there really isn't much. But the um, when they did that 25th anniversary 3.75 line, like I was all in, man. I was just buying all that shit over again. And the urban camo, like good guy storm shadow is a huge one that, that I really cherish. And, uh, the, that fucking butterfly knife snake eyes that they redid <laughs> and the way that they did it too, like they were removable. So I was like, Oh man, it's so cool. It's like not part of the skull. <laughs> Those are the, you know, I said, I don't, I'm always a, a proponent for opening toys, but I have to admit the 25th Joe's I've never opened them just because like the, you can kind of see them. They're right behind my classified figure. Just talking about like, you know, chasing your childhood, the nostalgia of like the card back, you know, and having the figure. And I mean, I they they are really dope figures. I, I, I kind of wish I had two of each because I could open them and then keep them on card. <laughs> but I've kept all my 25th Joes on card just because like there's such perfect, accurate representations of the old 80s figures. Yeah. Even like the current retro line that that's out now, that's still hard to find. But like if you ever see them in Walmart, they're the, the cards are the same, but they're like long. Because they, they they kind of extended, like, they're a little taller, I feel like, than the original ones. Because, I don't know, the bubble's weird. I don't know what it is about the, <laughs> the new retro line. But, yeah, like, I, I have a bunch of those 25th. And I just yeah, yeah. love looking at them on card just because, yeah, that, that just brings me back to, like, when I was five years old. and back, the, back when there were actually rows and rows of, like, Joe figures on the pegs. Nowadays, like, you see one figure on the peg and it's like a miracle. <laughs> so, so what's the one toy then that got away what's the one thing you always wanted but for whatever and then we're not going to use the flag i know a couple people have said the flag right everybody fucking wanted the flag okay <laughs> that's not special that you wanted the flag and you couldn't get it so what's the one thing other than the uss flag that you wanted but never could get you know this was like past my childhood I'm, I'm i'm a little too young for when this was actually like on the market and stuff one of those fucking boba fett prototypes with the shooting missile that they that they canceled you know what i mean like i've, I've always wanted one of those I, I recently saw like i think they're going for around like seventeen thousand now or something like that so it's, <laughs> it's that's going to continue to be a grail for me you know what i mean I'm just gonna keep <laughs> you'll never thing. don't have to worry about getting <laughs> that one right 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 I mean, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. like we talked. We spent a lot of time talking about GI Joe, but like Star Wars is one of your first loves too. And oh yeah, man! You brought up Boba Fett specifically, like those Mandalorian figures. What is what was it about Boba Fett that like made you like? Because that's your guy, right? Like of yeah, all dude. the characters, I feel like Boba Fett is synonymous with Earl E. Right? Oh man, yeah, dude. I uh, just 
from the get, you know what I'm saying? I just thought he was so fucking cool. You know what I mean? He barely spoke a word, cool as hell. And that was that's the thing I actually realized that was really consistent with all the characters that I really that I really attributed to in my youth is that a lot of them were masks. You know what I mean? And and I don't know if it's that kind of like Spider-Man effect where like you can project yourself onto them or what, you know what I'm saying? That's but exactly like, what it is, yep. Like those cats just look cool as hell, you know what I'm saying? So this whole like pandemic stuff, like walking around with masks, like I, I'm fine with it, you know what I'm saying? I'll keep wearing a mask till the day I die if I can, you know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, th- you know, on my other podcast, Dominic, my co-host, talks about this all the time. Like as nerds, like this is our time to shine. Like no one should be complaining about it. Like we get to wear it, like talk about Cobra. You could actually like fucking cosplay as Cobra. Right? <laughs> as a Cobra Trooper every day. And and it's and it's totally accepted by by most of society. So yeah, no, I but I think that's absolutely right about Bo- Boba Fett is very similar to Snake Eyes in that, you know, he was a man of few words. He's probably got like five lines in all of the original trilogy. Right. <laughs> and and you know, you never see what he looks like underneath. He's just this badass, you know got this reputation that's really cool like no disintegration he's like what the fuck he disintegrates people you know and it's like he's got that mystery to him and similar to like henry golding it was revealed he was also aapi right he was a maori that like that was really dope i remember when attack of the clones came out and it was like holy shit like the dopest character in the original trilogy is a brown guy from new zealand you know he's a pacific islander that's fucking awesome you know i was thinking you know for a long time i was like I, I could be, I could accept the lack of Asian representation in the original trilogy if, if it was canon that Mandalorians were racially Asian. Do you know what I mean? Because like, you know, you've got Temuera Morrison playing Django and Boba and all the clones. And honestly, dude, I hope that guy had a fucking great deal for his life to smooth because <laughs> they're just milking that thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then even in Rebels, you know, Sabine yeah. was... You can't really tell, but she's got kind of like a olive skin, you know what I mean? And and she's voiced by an Asian actress, too, right, sir. Right? You know, when Rogue One came out and they, they first started showing Donnie Yen's character, like he had this gauntlet, and I was like, that's a Mandalorian gauntlet. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> so I just kind of had this whole headcanon. It was like, Mandalorians are Asians, and that's why there's none around. Yeah, yeah. There's no Mandalorians around. And, <laughs> you know, they, they've obviously disproven that with the show and, and with all, also earlier in Clone Wars, you know what I mean? All this all the like wonderful Katie stuff. Katie Sackhoff, right, right, right. Yeah, right, right. great, great stuff that Dave Filoni's been doing there. But, you know, whatever, man. For my personal head candidate, that's, that's still, like, kind of a thing. <laughs> well, at least your guy is, right? At least Boba is. Boba yeah. is still, you know. And then he's got his own show with Ming-Na Wen, so that, that counts. Like, yeah, she's not Mandalorian, but, like, there's a Star Wars show with Tamir Morrison and Ming-Na Wen as the leads. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm so excited. Again, I can't wait. <laughs> it's like for, I was thinking, like for you, that's like Henry Golding and Snake Eyes. You know, what I'm saying? it's like, <laughs> it's like you, all of the all of our dreams are coming true. In yeah, our, yeah. Old you age. said it. You said it. I mean, honestly, I, I tell this to people all the time, and I'm going to use this podcast uh, as an opportunity to just put this out in the universe, man. My <laughs> dream would be like kind of a flashback or like origin, like young Boba Fett movie with Daniel Logan in the role again because the kid or the man grew up to to look like a young Tamara Morrison you know what I'm saying yeah casting back then was spot on you know what I'm saying and uh it would be so cool to see him take the role on again and I, and I would just love to see Joe Johnston directing it like he actually designed uh the armor back in ESP I have this whole portfolio of, of sketches that he did and you know has gone on to be a director of some repute you know what I mean uh, Captain America is probably like his his most recognizable work but it's like Rocketeer, you know what I mean? Rocketeer, like, yeah, yeah, Clearly yeah. The, the dude knows how to make a movie about a guy with a jetpack, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I mean, I've been, I'm with you. Like, I actually feel like, as much as I love Tamira in Mandalorian, 
I also, I you know, he's a little too old to play oh. Boba in this time period, right? Like, what, five years after Return? Like, Daniel Logan would have been perfect. People, when I said that on Twitter, people were like, well, he's too young. But, like, not really. That dude's, like, almost 40. Yeah, he's, right? he's like, right in the... the he's the perfect... Age. He's in the sweet spot of, like, of like Mandalorian-era Boba Fett. Yeah, I, Again, no no shade to Tamir Morrison. He's great in yeah. the show. But he, I guess it's that Tatooine son that turns Ewan McGregor into Alec Guinness <laughs> that makes, you know, Boba, like, a 65-year-old guy when he's really in his 40s. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but... That's just how the twin sons of Tatooine <laughs> age you. I guess. It's, the, it's the WV dose, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they haven't they haven't quite explained how Ewan McGregor ages into Alec McGregor. but I guess that's what the uh, Obi Wan show is going to do too. So we'll see. Well, last thing, so the the that Boba is your holy grail. I know you said you don't regret a lot of your hot toys purchases, but is there like what's the most expensive thing you wish you never bought? Man, you know what? I, I've come not to regret this, but I actually did. I had pre-ordered a Harley Quinn Suicide Squad um, Hot Toys figure for a girl that I was dating at the time. But then by the time that it released, we weren't dating anymore. <laughs> but I already had the pre-order. So that was kind of a regret. But in the end, it's actually a really great figure. The head sculpt's fantastic. The accessories are really great. You know what I mean? So it's 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 That's awesome right there, right? Question. I see it right behind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right next, next to uh, right next, next to Deadshot. Dead yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to my, my Birds of Prey Harley. That... I mean, just the detail in the caution tape jacket. The jacket alone, my God. Is yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see what that looks like in person. And again, the egg. I mean, you know, I'm posing it with the egg sandwich. That's like, <laughs> that's 99 of the reason why I bought it. To I'm, be, completely... I'm pretty sure that's mandatory. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why else get that if not for that? That's the other thing about a lot of like, I don't know so much about hot toys, but like import figures. Mm. Like Mayfex has been announcing shit left and right that like never comes out <laughs> like, you know I, I got the the hush batman i think hush superman came out but like i don't think anything else ever came out from like mayfex's uh hush line i mean i guess catwoman came out but i, I never got that. anyway those um, those figures look great man i'm still sleeping on them and i'm really jealous that, that you got them shits it's like yeah. they look fantastic hush batman like i i I, like I said, I was up and down with Mayfex because I, you know, I got burned on the BVS hmm. Batfleck, and I had a Mayfex Dark Knight that I I ended up selling before I even opened it. I think because the the bat, bat, I had them both like in box, and I opened the Batfleck one and it fell apart. I was like, um, I'm not so sure I want to open the, the Dark Knight one, but I ended up getting the, the Figure Arts Dark Knight because I wanted to post something on my my Mattel Bat Pod hmm. because none of those Movie Masters figures like look good <laughs> so I, was like, I need something that looks good on the bat pod man yeah yeah uh, so i got i had to get a figure arts one but um but yeah no those are those are definitely like my, my only issue with figure arts and mayfex as much as i love them is that they're it, they don't ever like complete a line so it's mm. hard to get like like i have like four of the justice league like they never made a cyborg or an aquaman so i just kind of like have Flash, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman just by themselves with no, yeah, <laughs> no, com- no team completion. I got Harley, Deadshot, and Joker from Suicide Squad, and it's like, not that I want the entire Suicide Squad, honestly, but like it'd be nice to have the option to get one or two more figures. So I'm kind of waiting for them to up their, uh, up their game a little bit. But, you know, Hot Toys just announced Hunter from Bad Batch. 
and it looks amazing and it's really cool to see a realistic portrait of tomorrow with the, with the tamir yeah yeah right but then i'm just like dude if i get him i'm gonna have to get the other guys too <laughs> like, i don't know if i want to fall down that path you know what I mean? <laughs> so does the bad batch for you count as like a mandalorian i mean it is it's canonically like Django clone so like are you into it as much and you for your like mando uh completists or is it or because they're clones it doesn't really count i mean no man i'm i'm into it and honestly dude like <laughs> i everything dave filoni's done in star wars has just been so wonderful and like that man as far as i'm concerned basically single-handedly saved like saved the franchise because he's does just done so much good work and you can see shades of it all over the place like even in the sequel trilogy you know what i mean um there are elements of his work in there too so yeah dude like i'm i'm all in for the bad batch i i'm actually behind i, I didn't watch last week's episode but i'm i'm really digging it i, I love the uh, the omega character and um they, they have an asian actress playing her also I, I believe good stuff man i mean you know if it's if it's well done star wars i'm i'm all i'm all for it you know what i'm saying yeah yeah for sure but no but i know like book of boba fett is probably your Oh, yeah. number one <laughs> yeah i mean you know pop like, culture anything it's like you know the difference between like any animation and like the mandalorian show you know what i'm saying like it's, it's so hard to gauge because like take like rebels for instance yeah i mean th- that show had so much heart like i was just weeping like a baby like constantly watching that show but then mandalorian to see all this stuff in live action and represented so well and executed so perfectly you know what i mean it's it's just it's a really really good time to be a fan I think, you know what I mean? I mean, I wish most fans felt that way, to be honest. You know, <laughs> so many fans, like, just take this shit for granted. And, like, you really, if you just step back and, like, just let it kind of wash over you. Because you're right. Like, having, like, talking about Rebels, like, there's going to be an Ahsoka show about her finding Ezra. Yeah. Because I'm with you. Like, for a long time, Rebels was probably my, like, second favorite Star Wars anything next to maybe Empire, right? It was, like, Empire yep. Strikes Back and Rebels and everything else. <laughs> And it was like the fact that they're continuing that in live action. I mean, knock on wood that they bring Tia Surkard back to play Sabine Wren. Because I think she, you know, like if they can bring Katie Sackhoff in to play Bo-Katan, which is like the opposite of like the Boba Fett Obi-Wan problem, because like she should be in her 50s <laughs> or 60s or whatever. Right. But anyway, <laughs> like aging is weird in Star Wars. But anyway, they sh- I, I hope they bring Tia Surkard back because like, I can't, same way that folks, you know, associate Katie Sackhoff with Bo-Katan. Right. I can't, you know, associate anyone with Sabine other than Tia Surkar. So, like, fingers crossed that they, they uh, hire her for the Ahsoka show. And yeah, then that she's in the Ahsoka show. Because it'd be fucked up if Sabine Wren is not in the Ahsoka show. You, you know, I, I have yet to go down there, but I've heard that there's this whole kind of, like, augmented reality game you can play down at Galaxy's Edge where you, like, read these, like, datapad entries. And one of them refers to, like, ambiguously, but it refers to Sabine asking for information about Ezra, essentially, like, around there or whatever. So, you know, here's Open Man. Like, they're yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really cool how they're taking this sort of, like, extremely multimedia approach, you know what I mean, of, like, just building that lore. And, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people complain about Disney just being this monopoly, essentially, and taking <laughs> over all these properties. But, you know, as... as like the selfish part of me as a Star Wars fan, it's like they, they got the money and they have the interest. You know what I mean? They've got Dave Filoni. <laughs> so. Yeah. Other than Rise of Skywalker, which I did not love, I feel like Disney has been handling the Star Wars property as best as you anyone could have right. it, at this point in time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think most of the complaints that, you know, the folks who are really pissed off at Disney 
aren't the folks that like I don't want them in the fandom anyway. If you're going to be completely honest, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> the ones who are like Kathleen Kennedy and SJWs are ruining Star Wars. Like fuck yeah. them. So anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. You know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because we'll be here for another couple hours. <laughs> but in the meantime, Earl. How can people find you on the interwebs if they want to follow you and your work? And do you have anything you want to plug coming up? On Instagram, I'm uh, sleepdead, S133PDEAD. I actually, for months, I had been agonizing. Maybe I should just start like a, a sub account to put, like, because I didn't want to like dilute my my art feed with like collection stuff. So I actually just literally today, I, I started a collection account. So it's oh nice sleep collection spelled S133P collections. Or maybe it's collection. I don't know. I just set it up today. It's one or the other. It'll come up in search. There's not too many. I'll, I'll put it in the description, whichever the real one is. <laughs> right on. Nice. The one thing I will plug is this is actually the thing that I was busy with that I just came off of is Jeff Yang, Phil Yu, Philip Wang, Rise coming out in October. I've got four illustrations that I've contributed to that that I fucking busted my ass on. And <laughs> I'm really excited, man. The, the book itself looks super cool. And uh, I'm really excited to, to have that out there in the world. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you. Happy for Phil and the guys because that book is going to be really great. Anyway, thank you for being on the pod. Sure enough. Our theme song is recorded by the one and only Jamie Noguchi. You can follow me on Twitter at the real chow, the underscore real underscore chow, and follow the podcast at shelfconnoc. Also, go to hardknockmedia.com to find this and all of the podcasts in the Hardknock family. Subscribe on YouTube.com/slash/TheNerdsOfColor for the video, and Apple Podcasts for the podcast. Give us a rating and review if you do. That'll help people find the podcast. Appreciate all the support, and always remember, shelf conscious is where we come collect. collect.